We are coming at you live from Jubilee Street, a Nick Cave podcast. I am your host, rather co-host, Jake Curtis, otherwise known as Jangling Jake from here on out. And my illustrious co-host is none other than the wonderful, magnificent, talented, Keep let going. him introduce Keep himself. Going. The man himself, the kayfabe general, go. the f- master of fugazi, the steel club in your claw, the s- bullet through your skull, the burger to your margarita. We have the one, the only. Ian McCurtis, also known as Ian McCurtis. And you are now embarking on a journey down a little old street called Jubilee a Nick Cave podcast. And today we are talking about a song from the pinnacle, fantastic, monumental, beloved Nick Cave record from a little old year called 1994. That's, what That's they right. Call it. We're doing Jangling Jack from Let Love In. Had to keep them on the edge of their seats. Wanna celebrate, Jack wanna big drink, driving drops in at a bar, call the ring ding Jack pushes through the door, and he crosses the floor, tips his hat to a man, grinning in the corner, going do da do, going do da do, going do da do, going do da do. Hey, so let's start the episode with a with a drink roll call. I'm drinking a nice uh, medium roast. I made it in my coffee maker. It's a little, it's a little pod, but I don't buy the pods because they're not environmentally friendly. So I just put some coffee in there, some fresh ground coffee, and I'm enjoying a nice uh, cup of brown while I'm recording. How about you, Ian? Let me tell you something. I have some fancy coffee I got from Jungle Gyms uh, last week. Hey. I don't know where it's from, but I paid $10 for the bag, which is double what I usually pay. But let me tell you something. Well, that's because you're not buying Folgers. True. I bought the whole bean coffee on accident, and uh, my girlfriend broke my coffee grinder about six months ago, so I've just been buying ground coffee. I had no way to grind it. Oof. So I used, I've been using a mortar and pestle to grind my coffee. Like awesome. a caveman. I just got one and of those. They're cool. It works great, and it makes the whole kitchen, it makes the smell, the smell of, coffee of coffee so strong because you're like grinding it in the open air. Uh-huh. It's like a lot of work, but it's worth it for the smell. I would definitely give it now, a try. Now, when you had a grinder, did you have an electric grinder, or did you use one of those like manual ones with like no, the, I had, the, the rotating gear I had a little uh, electrical one. It was just like a little bitty thing, and you just like press on it like a magic bullet. Yeah, that's what I that's what I used to, but we do have a manual grinder, but I couldn't get the type of grind I liked mm. for my beans with it, but it's... It's really cathartic to have the smell and you're sort yeah. of getting that physicalness, you know, it's like the closest you get to being out. Like why why anyone would go camping now is beyond me. I mean, camping's fun, but like you get that camping aspect, you know, you're kind of a you're t- a tough guy when you grind your own coffee with your own hands. But yeah, so I know? made that this morning and I'm a savage, so I'm drinking the cold dregs of that and then and he's going to go to bed in like 3 hours. And then I have my big pink cup of water. Ooh, is it is the water itself pink as well? With some ladies bowling on it. Ian's uh, blurred out his camera on Skype, so I can't see the image, but I trust that it's pretty cool. 
It was like a free a free cup we got from a bowling alley. It's like professional women bowlers. So all the all the top stars like Liz Johnson, Shannon O'Keefe, Daria Pajak, twenty seventeen rookie of the year. You know. If this were Tim Heidecker's Office Hours podcast, I would have booted you from the Zoom by now. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We love we love women uh wrestle women's ladies of wrestling. Uh, well, this is bowling. If it was wrestling, then I would know who they were. Women of bowling, sorry. Um, you all know that me, Jangling Jake, is not always, uh, you know, I'm not getting enough sleep sometimes, a little groggy. And I, I'm, you know, that's why I'm drinking coffee so late, you know. So without further ado, we're going to talk about Jangling Jack, the fourth track from Let Love In. And Ian, I was going to ask, uh, how, well, what do you think about this song? It's a, we, I, kinda, I picked it last week. Kind of just on a whim, you were like, what do you want to do? You know, we're kind of doing dealer's choice. We don't have any, we have a couple big events coming up down the line, but right now we're kind of finishing up like late May, early June. So just doing some random tracks. And I was like, let's do Jangling Jack. So uh, what do you think of it? What's your impressions? I've never liked this song that much. And like, honestly, if I put on Let Love In, I usually skip it. And I really, I never really thought about why I didn't like it. You know, I never put much thought into it. So this, mm-hmm. when you picked it, it was the first time I really had to like sit down and think about the song. And I think, so like I listened to it this week, thinking about it critically, and I was like, okay, this this is like a good, well-written song. The lyrics are funny. It sounds good. I think what I don't like, and Jake, you might have to help me verbalize this, because I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here, but there's like this rock and roll feel that I don't like. Social Distortion does it. Bruce Springsteen does it. Uh, a lot of 80s music. And this song has that vibe where it's like old school rock and roll. We got a saxophone going. I, d- I don't know what that's... Rolling Stones give me that vibe sometimes. I just don't like anything that makes me feel that way. And this song makes me feel like a, a rockin' Bruce Springsteen song. Even though I think it's like kind of a parody of that, it still makes me think of it, and I think that's why I was just like, skip. Yeah, I um, I can see the sort of campiness in the way that it's delivered, and the way, but the I think the... Music itself is really effective in kind of layering the sort of character-driven narrative here about the Jangling Jack character. And I thought it was interesting. So this guy is kind of like an anti, like, he's he's a tourist, but he's like an anti-tourist in that he's like, He's like the people that come from overseas and act like they've been an American forever. And so it's Jangling um, Jack, like a like a British person, like the Union Jack. You think that's what it is? I I know I I know how this would come off, but (coughs) given the tone of the song, I imagined like a really cartoony like R. Crumb kind of illustration showing Mm -hmm. up in like a sort of cell shaded, you know, fat yellow cab. And to me, this is like such a like vivisection of how Americans come off to um, like as tourists in other countries, but also how tourists come off in America. And 
I think that there's a lot more going on in this song if you're willing to like give it a couple more listens because when I st- when I listened to it um, the other night getting ready for the pod, I was like, eh, I don't know, this is kind of forgettable. I just kind of put it on while I was um, doing a little bit of research, trying to pull up the lyrics, like read along with the song, and I was like, I don't know, this is kind of like, it's a little boring. Like I kind of I know I like what they're doing. There's a really cool like musical flourish where it gets really heavy um, for the Jangling Jack. Do da do 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 da do jangling jack that kind of thing like that sort of like delivery that Nick Cave and the Bad Seats have a penchant for that very like almost like Elvis like old school soul delivery but it you know it's Nick Cave so he's doing it in this like very unique baritone so without going on too long um, yeah I mean Elvis this, is another thing the song makes me think of that I don't like. Like a I think it, up version of an Elvis song. I think it'd be cool to see somebody make a video for this, like um, some kind of contemporary, like comic book artist or really any artist, like you know, just to see what they do with like the imagery that the song creates, which is a very straightforward narrative about a guy who is like a little too gung ho about you know visiting where he's from, and he's super cliche and. Like, he's almost so cliche that the whole point of the song is, like, midway through, you hear, like, a gunshot, and then you get this imagery of him, like, crawling to the stool, like, for one drink more, and he sees the city in a completely different way, but he's also sort of this, like, cartoony amalgamation of, like, everything that I think that the narrator or Nick Cave, in this sense, hates about music, and or not music, but about, like, tourist culture, maybe. And I, I'm a little tainted because I read an article by the AV Club that talks about how this is sort of a depraved look at like anti-tourist messaging from Nick Cave. But I think it kind of goes beyond that. My girlfriend just showed me a documentary or a trailer for a documentary. It's about to come out about Anthony Bourdain. And yeah, I've heard about that. I think this is Anthony Bourdain's quote, or it might have just been something he would say a lot, but uh he would say don't be a tourist be a traveler yeah 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 i like that a lot i mean this that kind of breaks down the whole song in a certain sense so well it's like it's like we're from we're from louisville it's so it's not like we're from like new york city or tokyo or this huge hotbed of tourism but tourists do come to louisville and it is really fucking annoying to go downtown and see all these people that you know aren't from the city that are just, their eyes are only focused on getting bourbon and some Churchill Downs horse memorabilia. Like, tourists are just fucking annoying no matter what city you're from. I also think this really kind of touches on, if you've ever worked in a service industry job, I used to be like a pseudo waiter at a pretty ritzy rooftop bar in Louisville for about, uh, I want to say like seven or eight months. And I made a shit ton of cash, but I remember there being these instances where I would see people like fucked up out of their mind, like waving over to me, like, come here. And I got to a point where I started ignoring them because I was like, I don't want to do like, I'm not, I'm not going to take your drink order. I'm not getting paid for that, you know, but there's sort of this sense, like everybody's seen that guy walk into a place and just act like he owns it. Like, I think Louisville had a good, yeah, like Louisville had a lot of those people who would show up in places and, you know, 
people would be like, oh, do you know who that is? It's, you know, so-and-so. This is such-and-such. And, you know, it was such a small town that, you know, you're like, why don't, you know, why don't I know who that is or something? But I think what I'm getting at here is that there's always that person who walks in like they're the shit. And I feel like when you're, when you're that person, when you're like, you know, cross the, when you cross the floor, tip, tips his hat to a man grinning in the corner, going do, do, da, do, do, da, do. Um, and you want the rinky dink special. Like you just come in there acting like you own the place already. The rinky dink special. The yeah. hot brown. Do you know, what, do you know, what, do you know what's in a rinky dink special? No, it's it is it's a garbage plate plus a, uh, just I've had a, a special plate, plate in Rochester, and then it's like two shots of prosecco. It's like two glasses of prosecco mixed in with like a bunch of like rotten fruit, and that's the rinky special. And then they add blue food coloring and put a little umbrella on it oh, for delicious. anyone who wanted to know. So it's it's you're more like eating the cocktail. Oh, like uh, like those uh, fucking bloody marys that have like. All the fucking accoutrements on top. It's like a meal. I love those, but I don't like Bloody Marys. This, just thinking of like annoying out of towner stuff. Uh, this is just a PSA to anyone listening who might ever come to Louisville to play music. Do you know what's something that I know me and Jake have heard hundreds of times in our life at concerts that never gets a laugh from the audience, but everyone always does it? So oh, a band comes. Say? They play their first song. Oh, and they're well, like, so what is it? Hey, Louisville, how's it going? Or is it Louisville? Is it Louisville? Is it Louisville? How, how do you say your city name? How do you say it? Yeah, it's a cheap everyone, shot. Everyone comes to Louisville. That is the first like little joke every band makes after their first song. And then the whole room doesn't laugh. And it's awkward. So just don't do it. I don't remember who it was, but somebody recently asked how I said, oh, 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 you know what? There's a woman who works, who I work with, who works in, she was working in Florida, but she moved back to Kentucky recently. And she said, wait, how did you say Louisville? And I said, Louisville. She's like, oh my God, like, are you sure you're from here? <laughs> like, it, it's a weird <laughs> culture thing. It's like the what? Louisville is weird thing. And Fred Armisen did stand up before COVID in Louisville, and he made a joke about people trying to say Louisville. Like, he made a joke about the joke, and that was funny. Yeah, which is funny. That's what, I, that's what you want to see, because it's like, I can he only hear that, that joke level. so many times. Um, but yeah, no, this is a cool song. It's a cool song to think about in, in the terms of, like, what it's like to be the outsider, and, like, the way that this song treats the outsider, and... I think in some senses we might treat like that quote unquote like person who's not from where they are outsider character as you know mm -hmm. they're usually seen more as like an underdog or kind of a beloved like anti-hero kind of character but here like he's just completely mistreated like Jack raises his glass, says, God bless this country and everything in it. The losers and the winners, the good guys and the sinners, the grinning man says, buddy, it's all yakety yak, whips out a little black pistol and shoots a bullet in Jack. And that's where the song changes and you hear the gunshot or they do some kind of like instrumentation to make it sound like a sort of I jarring. Think that's where, uh, I think that's where, right where Blixa does his, his uh, little inverse scream he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does do that. You're right. Um... Before but, I forget, 
a better version of this idea to me is the against me song americans abroad mm -hmm. it's a very similar idea it's about going on tour and seeing mcdonald's everywhere and seeing like little pieces of america and every other country and being mm -hmm. like oh man i own the world like i can fit in everywhere and then like by the end of the song you know she's like fuck that's like a bad thing though like that sucks now but it's a very sen similar sentiment to this song now, why do you think that Nick is so lyrically, like, so brutal to this Jangling Jack character? He's brutal to everybody. That's just what he does. Yeah, but here he's, like, it's, like, it's like sadistic. It's, like, he is just, like, drawing out. Like, he could have just ended with the gunshot, but because he's just, like, drilling in and drilling in, like, you know, Mummy, is that you? He sees the Berserk City, sees the dead stacked in piles, sees the screaming crowd, screams, where in the hell am I, like... He's like being mentally, like he's mentally losing his mind, you know, falls back down on his arse. You know, he's using this like very like comedic language. And then when he finally doubles over and dies, he vomits first. So he just dies this ugly <laughs> death. It's like yeah. my fear is that if I die, I'm going to shit my pants because I always have like stomach problems. And to me, it's just like no one will care because that's what bodies do when they die. But it's like, fuck, like I would rather, I, I hope that, the day that I die is like I, you know, went on a run on an empty stomach and I had a big shit before I went and then I just die and like maybe piss myself. But I don't, that's like, well, I, I just think it's so ugly, you know? If I let my imagination run wild, I can imagine a scenario where they, the bad seeds do their first tour in America and they, they're playing in New York City and they stop somewhere really nice to have dinner and someone in the crew like says to the waiter like, Oh man, what's the Empire State Building like? You ever been there? And the waiter like rolls their eyes and are just like fucking tourists. His name tag. His name tag says yeah. Jack. And then Nick Cave just like goes from there, just like secondhand embarrassment from this person who was with him that was acting like a dumb tourist, and mm -hmm. he just like spins it out of there and makes up this crazy tale. Nick starts to lose his mind and just he like for some reason fixates on this particular song from that he wrote back in the early 90s and he's like i am jangling jack and because like there's nothing worse than going out to i don't know why this popped in my head but it is very embarrassing when you go out to eat at a restaurant and someone like does something embarrassing that you're with oh my god it's the worst thing ever and you're like now you're part of it too and yeah, i imagine they're... like it, i imagine if you're a tourist or if you're like traveling and you're with someone who has that personality yeah. would be very annoying because then yeah, people think of you that way too. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those like things about like when you go on a trip with someone and they drive and you might not know them that well. And then you're kind of stuck with them and they're like weird behavior mm, yeah, for yeah. like three days. My, I don't know if you want to, if you have anything else to pick up from what I said there was sort of the ugliness of the way he treats this character, but um, two takeaways I had is I feel like this song would have functioned better on uh, murder ballads as like sort of a companion piece to Staggerly. And like he could have maybe used Janglin' Jack as like a counterpoint, you know, like to Staggerly's like kind of in town, you know, sodomizing murderer. You'd have like Janglin' Jack who's just kind of a, you know, dumbass. And they kind of like meet each other in a bar. It'd be cool to see like worlds collide there. And then the other idea I had is I feel like this is the anti cheeseburgers in paradise song. I would love a uh, 
like sometimes they'll be like local radio or they play songs back to back that have like a similar theme. Like they'll have the same title or yeah, I don't know, whatever. I would love a, a radio program that like played this back to back with cheeseburgers in paradise. That's that's what I'm saying. There, there's a there's a comedic moment somewhere in like you know you hear the tail end of Jangling Jack and then cheeseburgers in paradise starts playing or <laughs> and I think and, I think Nick Cave would love it as well. Yeah, I mean, there's some really good imagery he does in here, and it gives me, it, it makes me think of that scene from J- being John Malkovich, where it's like the beginning of the movie where he's doing the puppet show, and yeah. I kind of, I kind of view this song in particular, given the theme of this record, where you know you see Nick um, draped in this like pink light, like he's like, you ever wonder like, Let Love In is a pretty phallic cover. Because it could be assumed that, you know, let love in, he's naked and kind of jagged looking. Like he could be, you know, with his head up like that, he could be trying to emulate like a penis kind of thing. And, you know, he's like looking up into a vagina or like a hole or something because it is pink. You know, it's like he's like flying through the womb. So it gives me this sense of like there's a lot of like puppet mastery. I mean, that's kind of how he writes. He's very like puppet mastery. He's got a lot of his, you know, fingers tied up in the strings and. Yeah, there's some cool imagery here where it just makes me think of like Jangle and Jack could be like a like a roadside show. You know, it'd be cool to see somebody like with a little like organ on the side of the road in New York with like a a money hat like doing a Jangle and Jack cover. Yeah, I love all the I love the imagery. I just don't like I was look I was like looking at the lyrics to like you know, dissect them with you and I was like I love these lyrics. I just don't like the song that much. Yeah. But part of it, you know, I think I've said before I'm not like is big on Let Love In as a lot of people. And if I'm listening to this album, Lover Man's before this, which is also a song I'm not that crazy about. So I'm probably going to skip that halfway through. And then I get to this one. And I'm definitely skipping this because Red Right Hand is next. And that's like the main course of the album. Yeah, yeah, true. And Red Right Hand is so sort it of... So it kind of a- just has like a bad placement because it's right before the best song on the album well and i think a lot of the other songs on this record are much better than this one so it kind of gets like i mean you sandwich it between like nobody's baby now comes before lover man then lover man comes which is a huge fan favorite and then you get jangling jack which is a less than three minute it's the shortest song on the record could have even been considered an afterthought but you know they kept it on there because nick cave doesn't have many under three minute songs Mm Hmm. so I mean, I think Baseline, uh, his songs are usually four minutes. Whenever I get to a Nick Cave song that's less than five, I'm like, oh, I wonder, yeah. you know, what the intention was here. And I'm used to bands that are like over three minutes is a long song. Right. Like, you know, we were just talking about Title Fight, a uh, pop punk. I guess they kind of became like a post-punk or like shoegaze band in their later career. But, um, you know, they had songs that were maybe a minute 30 Sometimes yeah, that no first record, I don't know if any of the songs are over two minutes. And, you know, Joyce Manor is another good one where they have most of their records don't exceed 15 minutes. Yeah, and then Nick Cave has songs that exceed 15 minutes. Yeah, I love, like, I love, like, those, like, 45-second Joyce Manor songs that are just, like, verse, chorus, second verse, songs over. I think the reason that I, I really was, like, happy to talk about this song is that I don't think that it's anything special in the canon of Nick Cave songs, but 
over the course of doing this podcast with you, I feel like everybody's got, this is what's cool about, you know, appreciating a specific artist, but also just for people who appreciate music in general, there's somebody out there who like Jangle and Jack is their favorite Nick Cave song. And yeah. And, and the thing about Nick Cave is like, there's plenty of bands. If this was an alkaline trio song and it was a song I didn't like, Mm -hmm. it would be a bad song. We would be making fun of it. Like it would be, we would just be having a ball, but like even the Nick Cave songs that I don't like are still well-written and yeah, they could still be someone's favorite. He doesn't really have songs that are like objectively bad. And we've mentioned before that like musicianship wise, like you can't really say anything negative about like what the musicians and the band members are doing on this record. But it's worth noting that Jangling Jack is one of their heavier sounding songs. Like when the you know, it's like it's heavy. It's it's the mix is heavy. Like it's very like jangling is a good word for it because it has that very like like imagine being stuck inside of a bell and you're like the you're in, stuck in the bell from the guy who works at the um what are they? What do they call those guys who ask for money during Christmas? They stand out front of Kroger. The like Salvation Army Santas and stuff. Yeah, the Salvation Army like bell guys. Like just imagine this. This song is like being stuck in one of their bells, and like this is the vision that you have. Like they're just like you know, just like ringing a bell. Like I, I just I think it's kind of like a fever dream of a song, and it kind of is this like weird like stopping that's like a little rest stop in between lover man and red red right hand yeah it is like uh yeah it's like almost serves as like an interlude because lover man's like you know this violent like i mean it's a rapey like it's a rapey song and then red Super. right hand is like this love song from the perspective of the devil or something so you have jangle and jack in the middle mm-hmm. is like this little uh you know, something to cleanse your mouth, like that little bite of ginger in between sushi plates. Yeah, a little, little bit of wasabi. To, uh, a little bit of wasabi. Um, also, it's pretty staggering if you look at the amount of plays on it's Spotify. <laughs> Good one. Um, when you look at the plays for Jangling Jack, it's right at a little over like, you know, 20 grand over a million. And then Red Right Hand sits at like 52 million plays, almost 53 million, basically. Got that Peaky Blinders bump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that just skyrocketed them as far as being like known, and I'm sure it helped a lot with sales for Let Love In. That's, I mean, that's why bands end, end up remastering shit is so they can sell it on record, and all the hipsters and millennials can buy it and put it in their fucking, you know, grocery cart that they stole from a Kroger and repurposed into a record crate or something. What the fuck? Are you <laughs> writing a Portlandia skit right now? I'm just, I just like, uh, Ian and I were talking before the show. We like this show called Search Party. It's uh, on HBO Max and definitely I would speak for both of us that you should check it out. It's like a pretty unique show and it's just really intense and it's really funny and they make fun of millennials a lot and the whole show is kind of this like dark comedy on like making fun of like how millennials like don't know how to function and they can't take responsibility for anything. Let me ask you this, Jake. I've never, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Can you describe to me the typical San Diego hipster? Because I've never been to San Diego. You know, it's hard, dude, because I worked so much when I moved here. And they are usually, but 
they're, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't know if I've lived here long enough to really just to really like experience it. But, um, people in Southern California in general, whether they're a hipster or not, but we'll hone in on the hipster They're man, it's hard to tell. Cause the one guy that I would use as an example, well, I guess he is from San Diego. Yeah. You know what? Um, Hey, if you don't know, let's, uh, Let's let's just for fun. Let's describe a typical Louisville hipster. No, no, I, I've got one. So typically, typically the hipster that you find in in Southern California, San Diego, um, had like has without a doubt like has the like California voice, like the Beck Bennett kind of whoa, dude. Like they they have a very like surfer kind of voice. Mm. Yeah. Um, way 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 more laid back and honestly like to the shows i've been to that would like attract hipsters like when i saw gorilla toss and um some other bands it's very similar like you know flannels jean shorts patches like um and it sort of blurs lines because like there's a lot more um you know, brown people and because um, you're so close to the border, you get a lot of Mexican people. So you get like white hipsters, Mexican hipsters, like there's a whole the lot Morrissey of like hipsters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's more that kind of shit. So but I would say Louisville hipster. Well, y- you describe it. OK, so it was like when we were in our 20 or early 20s, it was the it's changed old. a bit. Yeah, I would say right now. That is men who, you know, wear dress shirts, wear nice clothes, women who wear like sundresses, like trying to repurpose Southern culture into like this hip thing. Mm-hmm. But they they used to listen to like Avail and Hot Water Music and like Fest kind of bands. But now they yeah. listen to like Bonnie uh, Prince Billy, Father John Misty, you know, yeah, indie folk or maybe electronic. And they're obsessed with bourbon I mean, pretty much probably exactly what you would think of a little they probably sure. They probably know, like, they know the name of Drag City Records, but they don't listen to, like, any of the bands on Drag City, besides, like, one Bill Callahan record. Yeah. They definitely, like, used to be into punk, and now they, uh, yeah, they want everyone to think they like country, but not, like, radio country. Yeah. And they wear nice clothes, even though they have a lot of tattoos under those clothes, but they don't like to show them anymore. Yeah. And, uh... They wear, like, Adidas trainers. Yeah. Um, basically you yeah that's that's a little hipster yeah I mean we make fun of it because we're both pretty much hipsters I would say uh, me because I have a bad hip but Ian because he's a hipster you do have a bad hip you gotta do, you gotta do some more of those hip gyrations uh, we're gonna do some tonight don't you worry okay I, I just winked at <laughs> Jubilee Ian Jubilee Street after dark Jubilee Street after dark baby uh, jangling Jake in the house that could be your stripper name. That could be your porn name. Trust me, I am gonna. Jangling, I'm from Jangling Jake. Henceforth, I will be referencing to myself as Jangling Jake on Jubilee Street podcast. What amount of money would it would it take for you to do porn? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. I'm just we're getting full Jubilee Street after dark over here. I mean, I think it comes down to how much you think you're worth, and I think that like if I'm in a nice narrative one, and you know. I'm not, it's not like a total shit production, then I don't know. I'd probably want like 10 grand for like a week's 
maybe a week worth of shooting. Ten grand. All right, everybody, let's start saving up. We'll make a Kickstarter. We can do ten grand. Speaking of ten grand, speaking of big numbers, we just hit a, a milestone of listeners, a milestone of streams on this podcast. We're almost a year old, so thank you to everyone who listened. Yeah, thank you. It it's kind of crazy because yeah, uh, well, it doesn't seem like anyone in in the in America gives a fuck. Yeah, when I I walk down the street, no one knows who I am. So it's like, where are you guys? Yeah. At? Well, whenever I walk I'd down the street, all the dogs stopping bark. me at the Kroger, stopping me at the gas station, being like, "Oh mm-hmm. my God, is Ian? Please yeah. review well, I, my music. Please, yeah, sign my baby's forehead." And no one's doing it. Can I? Can I write? Can I? Can you answer my question on Substack, Ian? They ask you that all the time. Oh, please follow me on Instagram from the Jubilee Street Pod account. Yeah. And Ian's just like Charlie Brown out in person, so he just goes the wow wow. I just try to kick the football and fall on my head. Yeah. That's why he's got brain damage, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I think that is a good enough point to wrap up the episode. And, uh, you know, let's bring it on home. Check us out. Jubilee Street Pod at Jubilee Street Pod on Instagram. We got Jubilee Street Pod at gmail.com. Email, with, email us with your questions, concerns, conversations. We love hearing from you. Uh, Ian is pretty active checking it. I check the Instagram and the Facebook pretty regularly. Uh, we appreciate all the listenership and um, leave us a five star review on Apple and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, because it does help us get more listeners. To end these, this episode, what are you having for dinner, Jake? Um, well, it's too late for me to try to do an exercise and cook. So tonight will probably be salad with some sauerkraut and fresh summer tomatoes. and what kind, what kind of dressing you put in there? A little balsamic vinegar? You know, I like this like French vinaigrette that I get from the store that okay. I can't replicate. I've tried to make it at home, but it's just like a salty vinegar dressing. And then I add my super, super pungent garlic kraut on there. And let me tell you, baby, you got a stew going. What about you, Ian? I already had dinner. I had a... We got a little... Takeout pizza, little uh, from where? Detroit style pizza. Ooh, yum! What's Detroit style? Um, it's kind of like it's pan pizza, kind of like Pizza Hut, honestly. Just Sounds like good. a gourmet version of that. If you should look up uh, if they had Detroit style pizza in San Diego, I'm sure someone makes it. I think you would like it a lot. I'll really tell you what, crispy, you know, crispy like big crust. I love that. Uh, I used to get Jets pizza all the time. Yeah, it's kind of like, just imagine like, yeah, a gourmet-ass version of Jet's Pizza. Not as, I'll tell like, you what, buttery. They got a Jewish deli opening up that's all vegetarian, vegan. So they got all the, like, Jewish mm. deli meats and stuff and bagels. Um, and I, I'm hyped, so that'll be good. Dude, that's wish, not what I'm having for dinner. I wish but. they had that shit here. I, I've spent some time in Pittsburgh playing shows and stuff like that. And there's a big, like, Jewish it's all neighborhood. Bugazi. There's a huge Jewish neighborhood in Pittsburgh called Squirrel Hill, and the delis and stuff there are so fucking good, and they have vegan ones there as well. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i very excited to get that deli experience, and without a dude, dude, get that get that matzo ball soup. Oh, you already know I'm going to get the matzo ball soup, I'm going to get the schnitzel, like, or whatever, what, what do they call it? I think it's schnitzel, uh, isn't it? 
Schnitzel is like German. Uh, That's what German. Are you of? Pastrami. Whoops. Whoops. Uh, yeah, pastrami. Pastrami. They got all kinds of good shit. I'm I'm stoked. I love matzo ball soup. I haven't had it in a long time, but it's really really good. Um, and speaking of Jewish delis, we spoke a little bit about Israel and Palestine a couple weeks ago, and now they're at a ceasefire. And I would like to think we're responsible for that. So you're welcome, everyone, for bringing peace to the Middle East. Just yes, a little yeah. a little bit of good we thought we'd do. We're taking we're full credit of that. We'll t- we're taking full credit. We are heroes, and no one can take that away from us. We thought we're here to talk about Nick Cave. We're here to make a community with you guys globally. But while we're doing that, let's cause a little bit of good along the way. So without further ado, this has been Janglin' Jake Curtis and Ian... Uh, not a lot of words to start with I. And, uh, I- Ionic Ian McCurtis. Ionic Ian McCurtis. And this is Jubilee Street and Nick Cave Podcast. And we love you all very much. Mommy. Mommy.